Art Next Door Prepared by Tuche Ela Art Next Door features the independent art scene in Neukölln and Berlin. Free Community-based art Socially engaged artistic practice Artist-led project spaces Collectives Emerging and young artists. News and interviews will be broadcast in Arts Next Door on Keith FM. Cool. Thank you so much for accepting my interview request uh, in this Art Next Door uh, podcast and radio show series. And today we are in-person meeting after months of having Zoom meetings. I'm very happy to be in Verbier and then we're meeting with April and Adrian. So we will talk about your new project, also previous projects as a project space members and, and seeing in the Berlin. And I'm very looking forward to hear who you are and then how you were started in the free scene in Berlin and then what you are cooking. <laughs> so I'm Adrian Schieser. I am German, but like I lived quite many years outside of Germany, returned to Germany in 2010, moved in 2011 to Berlin. Took a while to establish myself because I didn't have any contacts here. I had lived 20 years outside of Germany and um, eventually met my now partner, April Gertler, and we started together in 2012 our first collaborative project called Sonntag. I'm going to talk about a bit more later on. My name is April Gertler, and I have been living in Berlin since 2005. I moved here after living in uh, Frankfurt, Germany, for two and a half years. Uh, I was studying at the Schädelschule there, and um, so I came here, and uh, I've been doing a variety of projects um, in that I'll I'll talk about sort of the trajectory of how we came to Vier Vier. Um, I have been following Zontag actually only by emails, but with newsletters. I never had a chance to go attend any of them, which was a shame. And now I actually realize how it was important not to postpone anything during those COVID times. But maybe can you talk about a little bit the Zontag? Because it has this beautiful concept, having this like a Sunday afternoon cake and talk. So I think <laughs> yeah. it's a brilliant concept. Yeah, so as I just said, when I <clears throat> came to Berlin, I didn't really have any kind of uh, peer group. No, I was on my own initially and I uh, was no longer the kind of person who would go clubbing. <laughs> so you have to find your friends and, 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 and like-minded people in other ways. And uh, then I kind of wonder, I had the thought, why don't I invite people to my home? I moved to Schöneberg when I arrived and I had this tiny 60s apartment and I also was given... Um, furniture from uh, a family whose grandmother had passed away, including some uh, porcelain set, crockery set, which was the beginning. So we had like 35 cake plates. I thought, wow, with so many cake plates, I can invite people for cake to my place. How can we maybe combine this whole thing? Uh, yeah, so I was fantasizing about this for a little while. <clears throat> and then when I met April and I told her about it, she kind of said, well, this sounds really great. Let's do it. <laughs> And of course, uh, true American, she just got me to start off with this thing. And I was, it's like always being hesitant to do things, thinking up a lot of stuff, but then not doing it. Anyway, so we did together came up with this concept of like 
inviting once a month uh, an artist to show his or her work in a, in a private apartment in Berlin, which initially was always my apartment actually in Schöneberg. And we would bake the favorite cake of the artists and share that, this cake, uh, this cake with the guests who would come to see the work. So spending like a Sunday afternoon, like a true typical German old-fashioned way of like coming together on a Sunday afternoon, like have this the best porcelain set out and like have coffee and cake and in this case of course uh, also artworks to see and like have a conversation of course. So like the idea was also to have like uh, the possibility of maybe meeting people who are maybe not so typically going to galleries, you know, come there as well because it's, you can come there for coffee and cake, you can come there to look at an apartment, you know, as well. And it was open. We didn't, I mean, yeah, we did make advertisement via Facebook and email. Uh, and like slowly, of course, our audience grew. Mm. And uh, eventually I was no longer allowed to do it or we were no longer allowed to do it in my apartment. I got like a letter from the Hausverwaltung saying, this is like a public event, you can't do this. Uh. You're overusing the stairwell in the, the elevator. <laughs> and there would be like 35 people coming or something like that on a Sunday afternoon. It's from in the beginning. In the beginning. It's like from two till six o'clock, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. It's nothing wild. And then... Was that the reason you stopped it or...? No, no. And then we started uh, becoming nomadic in the city. Yeah, so okay. people would offer their apartments and we would always uh, like find uh, other places in Berlin to, to use. And it was actually really nice. I really liked it. I think turning the, the project into a nomadic experience ended up uh, really building our audience base because people we found out much later, weren't able to come to Schoenberg on a Sunday afternoon. People with small children, families, uh, or older people who just felt like they wanted to go on a walk in the forest. And why are they going to travel all the way to Schoenberg to go to this four-hour event when the time slot is actually quite specific and narrow? Oh, you have also people who don't want to come to certain neighborhoods, actually. To say, oh, you're in Prenzlauer Berg. I live in Kreuzberg. I never go to Prenzlauer Berg. I never cross the Spree. <laughs> yeah, these kind of things, of course, you have as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it became really wonderful because then we started having, then people started coming who had said to us, oh, I always have wanted to come and now I finally can come because it's just literally across the street from my apartment yeah. or it's down the street or, you know, whatever. So it became a, it, it really opened up the project and we ended up then taking the crockery set with us. We felt like we needed to have this red line that ran through the project. So the crockery set would come with us. We got a cargo uh, attachment for our bike. We put our crockery set in the, in the back. We'd have to make multiple trips to the apartment before the event would happen. And, um, and it kind of evolved from there. And it, and it became, this, became this interim space. It wasn't a, it's very clearly not a gallery space. It's also, not the traditional idea of a project space either because it's in somebody's home mm -hmm. and you have there's always our requirement is that there's always a table that has chairs around it where people can sit mm -hmm. and look at a catalog from that artist that's maybe showing their work at that on that day and then end up talking to each other and that was the whole point and the artists have told us consistently over the years how the dialogue for them was very different than being in a gallery and it was very different also than a studio visit because it was always also about maybe one or two projects that they were able to show because there wasn't a lot of wall space. And uh, it really evolved and, um, and has continued to evolve. And of course, because of COVID, we 
haven't done it. We were, we were in fact, our last scheduled uh, Zontag was March 15th, a 2020. It was almost exactly a year ago with Marco Montia Soto and we had it all planned out, the apartment with a cake, everything was ready to go. And then a few days before we decided collectively with a lot of sadness yeah. to cancel. Yeah. So we're still waiting to do this one <laughs> after yeah. one year. You still haven't done it we yet. Will yeah. do, we will carry. We, we will, will continue. We will work with Marco. We we just need to wait until it's safe to do it. But we will continue. But would you do that again in the uh, residential? Or yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or yeah. Okay. You you are you're not willing to use Virgil for no. this project either. No. No. It so has to be. It really has to be in a domestic and private apartment. Uh, I mean, we could do it, but in in our apartment <coughs> we could do it over there, not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really about that domestic space yeah. and about that, also that space where it, it, being in somebody else's home also, it makes you feel different. It makes you feel like the access to everything feels so much easier for so many people that we noticed that also over the years. And a lot of times you have to take your shoes off to go into somebody's apartment and just that action as well kind of brings you closer to the feeling of being in your own home. Yeah. And there's a respect that you give the space that maybe is not given to a more of a public space. In our eight years of doing the project, nothing has ever been stolen, nothing's ever broken. People are really respectful and careful and really enjoy and yeah, they really enjoy the project. So how Vivir came out from Zontak to there? Is, <laughs> is there any connection or? But there's still some other things in between, yeah, actually. Yeah, we'll tell you. Yeah. So, so yeah. maybe you said. No, you go on. Okay, well, so also we eventually became part of the project space TED. Actually, for quite a few years we were running this as well, together with a group of other artists and curators in this kind of timeshare system. Uh, so yeah, we, you met with Benji. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we did do a lot of different projects there, like from traditionally curated shows to kind of uh, more experimental bar events, you know, like, uh, yeah, where it's mainly about making cocktails and like having a nice moment and maybe having like some special, like, uh, I don't know, interior installation, which we don't, wouldn't have considered art necessarily. We wanted to take the art out, but it became in a way an art thing again. <laughs> that was <laughs> our pop-up bar called Detlef that we did, uh, was, was very on the down low. We never promoted it on social media. It was always, you had to know people. And you, if you were part of our mailing list, you were part of our mailing list and you would hear about it. But we didn't promote it on social media. Because Ben told us in the podcast, so you were the initiators. In yeah. Nice. yeah. Yeah, it was our project with two other people, Hannah Goldstein and Julien Villaret. And we did some food events there as well. Um, yeah, and April did a lot of other projects as well there. And then, like, in, at some point, like, when we had been for a long time together with uh, this TED project, we kind of felt like we want to have uh, another, we want to have a, we want to do another step and actually maybe have more control. Because that's the part of, like, TED, you don't really have much control uh, except over the time slot you have. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, you can't really kind yeah, of... It has its own benefits. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, we liked that, actually. It was great. It functioned uh, super well. Because it meant you also didn't have to deal with any issues, you know, um, and you have, have it both ways. 
but then we thought like we would like to have more control of what ha what uh, what happens and like realize maybe some other little thing little projects we always wanted to do which we thought was a bit more difficult than there and uh, yeah we were on a search on another place uh, also to live and then at some point we realized actually maybe the ideal thing is live and work in one place. We initially were looking for an apartment actually and then didn't realize actually we want something else. We don't want an apartment. We want something like a shop, I guess. That's what we have now here. Yeah, I, I mean another project that has played an important role in my life, which started before I met Adrian, is Picture Berlin, which is an artist residency program I founded in 2009 and had my first session in 2010. And I always had envisioned the program to be nomadic um, because the city is so, I mean, at that time in 2010, it was so, there were so many options. There's so many spaces to go and to rent and to use or, and so many parks to meet in. And so the project, the programming became very much about the city being my collaborator and the city being uh, this place that uh, was used in its entirety. And that was a very important, and it continues to be a very important um, player in the programming of what I do with Picture Berlin. And I used Tet a lot during those years that we were there. And, um, but I also have been using many other spaces and working and collaborating with many other people, artists and curators based here in the city. And that's another side note to Via Via, this idea of having a space that Picture Berlin could also Kind of have a headquarters because there was never an I never had an office for Picture Berlin, so it's been it's really exciting to think about that in the future. That uh, again, we had two programs that of course were postponed last year, and we hope we can run them in September. And when did you move into in the project space? It's but how the story started here. Well, we ended up uh, starting the renovation process uh, in 2018. So we've been doing the majority of the work ourselves. Uh, the floor had to come out. We have a new floor. We had a new ceiling put in. All of the walls have been replastered uh, and painted, of course. All new windows and doors, everything new. I mean, it was shocking because we bought it as an, uh, we bought the space. And when we bought it, it was an empty shell. Empty shell, I say that with quotes. And uh, we didn't realize that the empty shell translated to eight, seven, uh, seven cubic meter containers that we filled Crubble. with rubble from oh. the space, eight, <laughs> which was uh, maybe even eight and a half because we used another one. Anyway, I mean, it was a lot of junk. It took us a long time to take everything out and there wasn't really much inside, but we had to rip all the floors out and the ceiling and there were a few walls that we knocked down. So all of the walls have been rebuilt. Um, there's not so many because it's a quite an open plan. But the front um, two rooms uh, equal to about the same size as Tet, actually. Uh, Tet is 49 square meters, and this is actually also 49 square meters, the front two spaces. It came about that we, as Adrian said earlier, we realized we wanted a space for ourselves with more control. And, but initially, then, the idea of being on the ground floor was quite terrifying to me. Like, what you, like, it just felt so vulnerable and so open and so like, ooh, I don't know if I'm really ready for that. But in the process of the renovations, we were here day and night for so many days on end. And we didn't have 
a kitchen like we have now. So we were getting coffee at the corner bakery and sitting in the sun in the window ledge, and we got to know people. And actually, it turned out to be such an exciting start to this space. And we just got to know all the dog walkers and all the people living, you know, our, our immediate neighbor upstairs. And then uh, uh, there's a Brazilian woman who lives next door who one day I was carrying buckets of rubble to our container. And she said, actually, what are you doing here? I, I, she asked me, what, what is going on? can I just ask you? And so we started talking and she said, oh, I used to be an architect, but now I started a supper club called The Onion Project and I'm doing dinners in people's homes. And I said, that's amazing. We do this Zontag project. And, and then we realized, wow, we have so much in common and this is incredible and she's become a friend. So things like this has, have happened and it's, um, yeah, and it continues to blossom. Yeah. And of course, because of uh, Corona, we are delayed with like doing anything here. So we had planned to do something beginning of the year and this was just not possible um, right now. We wanted to like initially the, the, the first idea we had was we wanted to do like an initial show with all the people who helped us actually on, on the renovations, which were mainly artists and musicians. So they were like, come on, let's uh, harness their kind of talents and like have a show together like a, more like a party kind of thing, but that hasn't been possible and I don't think it will be possible for a while. And then April thought, why don't we kind of develop this into a bit bigger project, this idea of that initial show, which um, we uh, wanted to call Wir bauen eine neue Stadt, which is like the, the title of a song from the 80s, which in, uh, also is a title from another song from before even. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we thought that's the basis of like this idea we're building together something new or this idea of like uh, like some utopian vision of something different, I don't know, in some way. And then we developed like a, like a, a bigger ex exhibition project out of this now, I guess, in three parts. Yeah, so we um, applied for Stiftung Kunstfund and we got um, Neustart funding. So our plan is, um, which was First of all, to say that it was so exciting to get that funding in the, in the sense that they're giving us funding based on something that doesn't even exist yet. So that felt extremely generous and exciting. And the, so the project for Bauernanenoyestadt is broken into three parts. Um, the first part is build, the second part is identity, and the third part is activate. Those are the kind of the chapter headers. And um, the idea is to look at those three categories, if you will, in terms of relating it to building a new community and what that means. So we have approximately 10 artists and architects that we've invited to work with us on the project in the different chapters. And um, also we're hoping to do a, a two-part performative workshop event, food event, for Neukon. We're still waiting to hear if that is going to go through. And uh, so the, it, it's, it's difficult because I feel like we need to kind of create new words because it's, we're not really making exhibitions. We're much more, because of Zontag and because of my, also my experiences with Picture Berlin, we have come full around to, as artists ourselves, to making social practices-based works. And this idea that we're working within a community and generating um, interactive experiences is really essential and important 
to Zontag, to Picture Berlin, but also to what Wir Wir will become. And so because of that, we don't actually have any real exhibitions. We have food events, we have uh, workshops, we have, for example, uh, Lucila Kenny is coming from Amsterdam and she's going to be doing a foraging workshop on foraging plants and fruits and berries, whatever she can find with a group of people. Hopefully we can do this. And then making inks and, and uh, dyes to dye and to dye natural fabrics and also to paint and draw with. That's one example. We're also having uh, two artists come from Denmark and they're going to be doing um, a repair cafe that they call Flicken, and that's really exciting and um, so they'll be doing that for 10 days or so here in the space and they'll have different stations set up where people can bring their household items that are broken and they can uh, get help and assistance on how to repair those items. So these projects are important to us also in terms of the extended community here in Neukölln in this neighborhood and the idea of attempting to bring people who might not come to something like this to come, people who, who maybe feel intimidated by what it means to, have, to go see an art show or an art exhibition, that that is also not in their interest. And um, so to moving out, moving out and beyond that realm. Where, where is that title, Vir Vir, comes from? Because oh, Vir Vir. Oler, Oler told me something that I have some tips that there's an interesting background story. Oh. <laughs> okay, so you know Oner. Yeah. Oh, uh, super. Okay. okay, yeah. I figured you probably had a connection. Um, we're really excited to be working with him, actually. Uh, so the title comes from the fact that is, uh, I teach at Bard College Berlin, and I teach photography there, So, but analog photography, which is quite exciting. And one of my students uh, comes from Istanbul, and when we got this space, we were trying to understand what the history was. And uh, there's a gentleman who lives in the back house, and he mentioned to us that this had been a brothel. But Some point of its history, not just, of course. But, yeah, yeah, a multi-tiered brothel, because like, we have also a kella. And uh, he had said, and, and then we talked to... Uh, next door there's a Schlüsseldienst and we talked to him and he said yeah definitely there was a brothel but it seems that it was really specifically only for the Turkish community so I so this Turkish student uh, I asked her I was talking to her about the word brothel in Turkish and she's like it's not a very it's kind of like not a very interesting word and I said well what about kind of isn't there like a isn't there street slang for brothel? Isn't there something? She's like, I'm going to ask some friends. I'm going to get back to you on that. I'm not sure. So then she came back to us, and, or back to me, and she said, yes, there is. And it's, it's, it's via via, but it's not it's pronounced via via. Yes, in Turkish. And she wrote it out for me. So V-I-R, V-I-R as one word. And so I, I brought, brought it home, and I was talking to Adrian about it. And we're like, oh, that's kind of interesting when you, when you say it as you know, in, in German, it sounds like, like via via, like we we, yeah, yeah. and um, it was really exciting. Like yeah. oh, that, and then we were, we were kind of playing around. What should we call the space? And talking to some friends about it, and we kept coming back to this via via idea. And uh, one friend just said, no, actually, it's obvious. You should name it via via. That's what it should be called. It's clearly. <laughs> 
And so we said, yeah, you're right, in fact, that's what it should be called. So that's the evolution of the name. Etymology of the word would be really interesting to know. Um, yeah, but that was, we just went on what she said. We didn't, we didn't fact check it. Or the beautiful yeah, story. Yeah. There's yeah. a perfection. Yeah. <laughs> work with our idea that we, uh, with the consciousness coming here into this neighborhood, knowing there's many, many different cultures living here, and we actually would like to engage as well. We don't want to kind of isolate ourselves. We don't know. We want to be this kind of art space, which is kind of catering to a certain kind of uh, a group in society. Not at all, actually. I'm not sure we want to be anyway, classic art space. That's not really our idea. It's more like a playground. We want to use it as a playground. We'll use it as studio space as well. We will use it for many things, I guess. Apple, you were saying that you have been actually looking at the history of the neighborhood for a while and then just uh, different layers of cultures. Often yeah. Before we started this conversation. It's true. Back. It's true. So I um, was fortunate to get uh, uh, a grant in in a newly founded department at uh, Bard College called uh, the Department uh, for Human Rights. And um, so I applied for a grant um, looking at the way food is an identifier for people and thinking about migrants and refugees and people coming from other cultures and either forcibly or by choice and how they find themselves adapting to a new place. And just from my own experience coming from the States and living here, growing up in California, I'm always, always on the search for very good Mexican food because for me, that's sort of my cultural, that's the food that I relate to the most. And that is for me sort of my base food. And I can still not really find good Mexican food, but that's a different topic. Anyway, so the, the, the point is sort of how we identify ourselves is very often through food. and. I'm really fascinated, I was really fascinated walking up and down Zonanale, I'm sort of continuously fascinated by Zonanale, and as our proximity is so close to Zonanale, we find ourselves walking there very often for a variety of reasons, and um, shopping being, of course, one of them. I really, really love going into grocery stores, it's sort of a, it's a pastime, so I have gone in and out of, I think, almost all of the grocery stores now on Zonanale, and I've I'm continuously fascinated at how different each one is and the different types of products that one finds. And um, growing up also in America and having this extreme kind of America being very pro-Israel, um, I have not really in my memory seen products from Palestine growing up in America. So to see shops with Palestinian products was for me extremely interesting. That is just one of the very interest, one of the products, uh, which was time from Palestine that was really interesting to me. And so going back to this grant, so I applied to, uh, to research and study the way people connect to food being from other countries in this area. And I found out that there's 190 different uh, cultures kind of represented here by the communities just in Neukölln itself. And that's pretty tremendous to think about. Um, I think one can forget how extremely diverse Berlin is when, when one is in neighborhoods like Mitte that don't have that same kind of diversity. And 
so my interest is to, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm working with some of my students. Um, uh, one of my students is from Iraq, but lived in Syria and also Jordan. And so he and I are going together and we're trying shawarma in different restaurants to see the differences. And, and he, it's really interesting to go with him because he, of course, is speaking Arabic and he connects to people in a completely different way than I would ever be able to. So through him, we're having, we're starting to have really interesting conversations with people. And then I, I hired also my, um, this student I mentioned earlier from Istanbul. So she and I are going to also go to Turkish restaurants and talk to people about food. And, and my interest is also sort of, and this is something that my student says, and I feel the same, and I think anybody who comes from another country would say, you buy the food that you know here doesn't taste the same. You try to make it the same exact way that you would make it in your home country doesn't taste the same. And I'm, I'm wondering, what is that? Why is that? Why we're striving for that taste of identity, of home, of comfort, of kind of a connectivity to who we are, but why can't we find that in the new place? And of course it has to do with so many variety of things, but I just find that really interesting. So I'm on the pursuit to talk to as many people as I can about identity through food and uh, yeah. So that's my, that's my side project right now. But do you imagine that this could transform into a project here in Rio Rio? Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. um, definitely. And I, I don't know, I'm really in the beginning stages. Um, uh, another work that I've been working on for some years now is called uh, Take the Cake. And it's a, it's a performative lecture performance while I bake. So I bake a cake and I talk about the ingredients and the perceptions of baking from a feminist, also post-colonial perspective. And um, that could be one form that this ends up taking. Um, I mentioned I'm kind of on the forefront of maybe delving into the podcast world. So maybe it could take the form of podcast series. I'm still playing around, but I think bringing people here and talking about food and diversity and also embodied memory in our, in the way that we make food, in the way that we are connected to, to our knowledge of food through, it's like a, a knowledge that's passed on from our families and our mothers and our fathers who make food, who we've watched over the years, our aunts and uncles and cousins and extended families. And that embodied memory is also something super interesting to me. Um, we have an artist who's coming from Amsterdam named Maureen de Jong. And she's going to be also working with people in the neighborhood to look at, she's specifically interested in embodied memory of, of actions that happen while making food. So maybe directly through her, things will happen, but I hope in the longer term that this research I'm doing now will evolve into something else here. So if everything goes well and let's imagine that the weather will be nice and then the COVID regulations and restrictions will be lessened. When do you plan to kick off the program here in Rio in 2021? Well, when is it again? <laughs> <laughs> we had thought we would like to do this group show with, um, with the artists and musicians who worked with us to build the space. Um, we're not sure we can do that now, but the the first chapter of Wir bauen eine Neustadt Build with Onur um, and Van Bolle Menzel 
will start June 5th. And that in Shannon Bull. In Shannon Bull. Shannon Bull, exactly. So those three artists, architect, will be showing works, doing a workshop here in the space. I mean, it will start like a really more like a classical exhibition, actually. There will be three artworks, in a way, visible, but then some of them will be activated, some of the artworks, and will become more uh, like a performative action at the end. I guess like uh, Van Bo Lemensel's piece is like, a, like an arrangement of elements, which will then be at one moment transformed into a furniture object. Uh, yeah, and he will give a talk about it, and then the next day it will be activated, actually, this piece by uh, um, a chef mm -hmm. from Hong Kong. He will be cooking outside, actually, which we also then hope brings more people from the neighborhood to come be curious and maybe even sample some of the food. That's um, Chef Jan James Chan, just to say his name. And then, so throughout the year, or if you're not going to have a third lockdown, <laughs> so you will continue the program with other artists. So it will be a series of events that we found Neustadt. Yeah. A, so so how, you said three chapters, right? Yeah, hmm. so there'll be walks that will uh, start here or end here. Um, through the neighborhood, so we invited Andrew Burford, who will be w doing a walk, uh, maybe a few walks, but always the same walk, uh, about queer bodies in architectural space, which is really exciting. Uh, and so actually his walk is then connected to build the first chapter. And um, Audrey's going to do a walk on sound in Neukölln. Maybe you want to talk about that? I don't know. I mean, it's still at very early stages in development, but like it is kind of the idea of walking down the street and actually catching different sounds. And I, I'm interested to kind of find out what people are listening to like from all those different communities. What is their music? Um, it was kind of interesting when April went to actually test some shawarma the other day with uh, her student and the guy said, well, the music they're listening to is actually 2001. In, in, in Iraq, that's what they listened to no, in 2000, in Syria. or Syria. That he thought, oh, they must have left then, actually, this, uh, Syria. And they're still playing the same music. They're kind of from a certain moment. I mean, this is kind of, I find interesting. You know, if you walk around and you hear a certain type of music, which is kind of, has to do with your experience, I guess. I mean, as like uh, your nation, uh, your, uh, like where you come from as a, your nation, and also where your family grew up and what your experience in general is. So interest, of course, as well. And like to, I mean, everybody hears this, but you don't have an idea what is this you hear. Except if you're, of course, immediately familiar with that. So I want to explore that through walking through a neighborhood and then I have to still develop that. I can't say much more than that yet. And you're going to do something as I'm well. I'm going to do something. I'm still not sure if I'm going to do a walk or if I'm going to do a performance. Um, a Take the Cake performance about uh, a pastry or a cake that's maybe from the Turkish community. I'm not sure. I'm still thinking about it. Um, or uh, there's a that uh, quite famous, um, now famous, uh, Syrian bakery on Zonanale, the baker Damascus. comes from Damascus. It's called Damascus. Is it called Damascus? Mm, yeah. yeah, and he had a really famous bakery in Damascus and then moved here and started this bakery. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the pastries, uh, they're amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah, really, it's on the right-hand north side of the, is that the north? Yeah, north side of the street on the right-hand side. Really fantastic. And then, uh, 
Yeah, and like I said, this foraging workshop, and she's also going to do a food waste workshop. And, well, oh, the repair cafe yeah. we mentioned. And uh, the artist uh, Kapani Kiwanga, from, uh, who's based in Paris, but is from uh, Canada, she was going to do something, I guess, performative, but we're not sure yet. She's still working on us. So it's, it's very kind of active. All of the events are very active. Oh, also Soy Division, who lives in Chilakeets, they're coming uh, to do three different food events here. We hope we can do them. Their food is incredible and they're such nice people. We're really excited to work with them. Yeah, we just hope we can do these events inside. We don't know. Um, we're happy that we have these two big uh, like shop windows that look onto the street so that in the worst case scenario we could have something happening inside and then using our front door to serve if, if that's a, a scenario with food. Um, we don't know. We have to see what we can do. I mean, we did this consciously decide not to do like some online event instead. We thought we'll want to wait then. Because it's very much for us about community. So if this is online, of course you can have community, but it's very different. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the lockdown has shown us, that, just to look at the positives, I think that the idea that we have been able to connect with people all over the world in a much more informal, relaxed way through all of these amazing free public lectures that have been happening by artists and musicians and free dance classes and music classes. I mean, it's just, it feels that the creative world has exploded, actually, and there's been such an incredible outpouring of creative energy that I, I'm very inspired by. But it's true for us, I think, what's really important is to have the physical connection to people, to be able to see them and, and, and share with them. And a lot of our work is also about hosting and about creating an atmosphere where exchange can happen between people. And that is, of course, that happens online again, but just not in the same way. And not with, not with coffee and not with cake and not with food. And you get those tastes and those experiences. Is there anything that you would like to add that maybe I missed out to ask about specifically about your project, your space, that we didn't talk about? Um, I don't know if I can think of anything right now. I mean, because we really focused on like this one project to get that first off the ground and then beyond that we haven't done really much more. Well, I mean, have, except, yeah, okay. We have done a few other things, but no, I, yeah, it's true. We've been focusing on Via Via and I think um, in the last months, especially the lockdown has given us the chance to really concentrate on developing the ideas behind what we want to do in the space and also um, evolve uh, and find funding to do it and we're hoping that as you say that we can do it as much as possible thank you so much for accepting again my interview because it was very very lovely thank, thank you, you so much thank you so thank much you. for inviting I mean, for us, us it's always nice to meet new people actually yeah it's always nice new people to see us. Uh, yeah. what other people are doing yeah that's yeah. exactly that's a, that's a good thing to do, of course, these interviews that worked always for, for Zonta kind of well. When we thought, oh, this person is interesting, we, uh, let's just invite him, let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. We, when we do Zonta, we don't really um, have a clear structure in terms of what type of art we're showing. 
we show any kind of art. The only thing is we have to agree on the, on the, on the art we like, or the artist we like. We have to like him. And, and the person has to also not be somebody in our immediate community. Yeah. Mm. We, we, have, we, we, we can't know the person. So they have to be recommended to us by a previous Sontag artist or friends that know somebody that we don't know that is doing something interesting and suggests that person to us. So that's also a way to help the network grow, our network, but also the Zontag network. Yeah, so that's because it's always easy to go to someone that you know already. You know? Sure. Of course. No risk. So sure. Yeah, it's no risk, of course. Sure, it's, it's been offensive to some friends, but... Um, who've wanted to do Sontag and have told us multiple times they know exactly what cake they would like to have and where they would like <laughs> to do it. Yeah, but we've, we've really tried to stay true as much as we can or have been able to, uh, to that vision. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you like my podcast series, you can support and buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash tuce. T-U-C-E. See you in the next episode. Bye. Art Next Door, prepared by Tuche Eral. Art Next Door is a monthly radio show on Heat FM and a podcast series at Anchor FM.